0: amen amen you may be seated it is hard to believe that it is camp season already if you look around you the young people are all going down to senior camp having i'm sure the time of their life this week and here in a couple of weeks uh, the the week after the fourth of july my wife and i and my family will be going down to camp meeting to help uh, participate in that and 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 go get a blessing ourselves the same way those young people are getting blessed today, and it's it's just that time of year, and it, and it doesn't seem like it should be. It seemed to me like it was just yesterday we were celebrating Christmas, Amen. But the truth is, if you blink now, you're liable to miss Christmas because it's coming really, really fast. And I got to thinking today about how the fast pace of time and how things transpire, and I realized that. It was 11 years ago, right in this month of the year, when I preached in Lake City for the very first time, and God began to deal with me during a Crusaders camp, the reason I know when it was, Crusaders camp, I was working Crusaders camp that year, my boys were little, and God began to deal with me about leaving where I was and coming here to be Pastor. And it would take a few months for that process to work itself out. I, I took over here as pastor in the first week of August in 2008. And so uh, it will be 11 years here very shortly. And a lot of things, I begin to think about that 11-year span, and a lot of things have changed in that 11 years. We've lost some, We've we've gained some, we've We've grown some. We've not grown as much as I would have liked. I, we've not grown as much as I imagined that we would. But God has had His hand on us every step of the way. We've been blessed. We 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 took the time in those first few years to improve the place where we were, and then God opened a door of opportunity. We we're able to step into this newer building and when we came here it was uh, green carpet green pew coverings green glass in the windows uh, it was walnut paneling throughout this building Was uh, it was definitely a work in progress but God blessed us and we were able to remodel this and here we are in a beautiful facility where we can worship the Lord and where it, it seems it feels, mod- And I have people walk in here for for instance for the funeral services recently and, and they say boy I just Just can't believe how much this place has changed what you all have done with it amen by the grace of god we've been able to do that and he's blessed us and he's provided for us and he's taking care of us every step of the of the way and 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 we're not what we want to be we haven't yet gotten where we want to get but we're not what we used to be, amen? We're, we're still growing. We're, we're still going through some growing pains. We we're, we're still don't have everything worked out. We're still a, a human uh, organism, amen, the church. We're still composed of people. And, and look at your neighbor and tell them people have faults, people have flaws, amen? Somebody said people are idiots, and we're all people, Amen? It's a fact of the matter, like it or not. And so we're growing together into the church that God's called us to be. We're 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 passing through some changes. We we've just come through a uh, probably the most significant change that we've experienced in the last 11 years in, in the loss of Brother Anderson, that old patriarch of the faith who founded this church and whose prayers I've coveted for these many years. And and we've been through some hard times, and we, we've experienced some good times. We, we've we seen some tremendous miracles and blessings of God, and then we've seen some things that were disasters and, and devastating. We, we buried some precious saints, and we've dedicated some some brand new babies, and through it all, God has been with us. And we are where we are because of the hand of God. Amen? We are here right now, tonight, because God has his hand on the church in Lake City. As I begin to think through all those things, I begin to contemplate the fact that everything changes with time. There's no way to freeze time. If I could, my friend, I'd dial it back those 11 years and I'd freeze my kids right where they were and I'd live for the rest of my life in that where I was I was just 34 Uh, youthful and I had energy and and my boys were were young and they they were inquisitive and they were they were uh, learning and they were they they looked at me in a different way than they look at me now amen I was the all knowing father today i 'm the all debatable father amen if I could i'd roll it all back and i 'd freeze it all right there, but we can't do that life changes amen circumstances change somebody once said that the only constant in life outside of uh, taxes and death is change everything is going to change we grow a little older we grow a little wiser hopefully Amen. We, we learn new lessons. We overcome new obstacles. We obtain new blessings. We, 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 we have a way of, of moving through this life, and every experience shapes us and molds us and changes us. Our, our circumstances change. Our experience changes. Our outlook changes. Everything seems to change. But even with all of that change, there are some things that will always stay the same one man said speaking of change he said my grandfather rode a horse but was afraid to ride a train my great grandfather i'm sorry my grandfather rode a train but didn't trust a car and my father rode in a car but was afraid to get on a plane and said now i ride in a plane but i'm scared to death of horses (laughs) change is a funny thing It comes around and it goes around. It seems like history repeats itself. Fashions repeat themselves. Fads come in and go out and then they blink your eye and they're back again. Amen. The world is constantly changing but it's constantly reaching back to what it once was. And as I reflect over the many changes that have taken place in the last 11 years, I'm reminded that there are some things, though, that never change. There are some things that remain constant. There are some things that remain unchanged by the progression of time. And from that launching pad, I could preach a lot of different things tonight, amen? There, there are certainly some unchanging truths uh, in the Word of God that I could I could do a series of, of Wednesday nights and we could go for 10 or 12 weeks on things in the Word of God that don't change. But I, I'm just gonna focus for a few moments on a couple of them tonight. First of all, there is a God who loves you, amen? There is a Savior of you. Who loves you? There is a God who is reaching for you and wants to see you succeed. Uh, amen. Who has invested himself personally in your life. And there is an enemy who hates you. Amen. Those are two unchanging truths. They are, ant- they are the antithesis of one another. Amen. And they're often rep- represented in Scripture in that way. There's a God who loves you, and there's an enemy who seeks to destroy you. For instance, 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 7, says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. There's a God who loves you. Amen. There's a God who cares about you. There's a God who's watching over you. There's a God who who's seeking your best. But he goes on to the very next verse and says, Be sober and be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for somebody to destroy. And so Peter first points out that you can cast your cares on God because he cares for you. That won't change, my friend. Amen. No matter where you find yourself, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're up against, you can always count on. It, amen you can cast your cares on him because he cares about you amen, amen. the cares of life are given it's no surprise to peter that you're going to face things they're going to wear you down you're going to have burdens in your life that are going to that are going to weigh heavily on you those that will occupy your mind, those struggles that will punctuate your life. Uh, Amen. The point is not just that life is going to be short and full of trouble. Uh, The real focus here is not that you're going to have cares, but that you can cast those cares uh, on God. Uh, Amen. There's an unchanging truth there uh, that when this world is overwhelming, uh, his grace is sufficient. Uh, When you don't know where to turn, uh, amen, he'll make a way. uh, where there seemed to be no way when you're out of resources uh, he is your provider Uh, when the night lasts too long uh, when the valley seems too deep uh, when the mountain is too steep uh, you have one uh, who watches over you uh, one who encourages you one who lets you cast your cares on him amen there's always peace in his presence no matter how much chaos is going on in this world. There's always comfort in his, in, in his house when you come to him uh, and you can visit him anywhere. You don't have to come to the church house uh, to be in the presence of the Lord. Uh. But when you step in his presence, uh, no matter how much chaos is going on in your world, uh, in his presence, uh, there's rest. Uh, in his presence, uh, there's refuge. Uh, in his presence, uh, there's refreshing. Uh, amen. When you step into the presence of the Lord, uh, there's springs uh, of living water uh, that bubble up. Uh, amen. There's a resource uh, in him that you can't get anywhere else in the world. That will never change. Amen. amen. And There's an enemy that seeks to destroy you. There is an enemy that is in, in, in every one of life's circumstances, in every one of those cares that you can cast upon the Lord. There, there is an enemy that is seeking to destroy you. Life isn't just random chance and circumstance aren't just happening to you. Your enemy has a plan. Amen. You've got to be aware of that. There is an enemy like a roaring lion seeking whom he may. He's not just wandering through this life hoping he happens upon someone to devour. He's not just happy-go-lucky passing the time and wondering if maybe he'll stumble on some wounded soul that he can devour. He's plotting uh, and he's planning, uh, amen, and he's got a purpose, uh, and his purpose is to destroy you, amen? Amen. One thing I learned about chess at a young age is you can't play chess in a vacuum. You know, it's the amateur's mind. It's the amateur's era. They, They start a game of chess, and they start plotting their moves, and they start... Plan and how they go- and they get a strategy, and they get married to the strategy, and they don't even they, they don't even hardly pay attention to the fact that their opponent is moving a piece over here that, that that has nothing to do with their strategy, and so they just kind of ignore it. It seems to be innocuous. It doesn't seem to matter. It, it's a relatively harmless position, and so they continue pressing their strategy. and And what happens is that that, that enemy, that opponent, uh, Amen, begins to. Them up for defeat, and they're never even aware that it's happening. Amen. Anybody ever been blindsided like that in chess? I'm gonna tell you what, Tim and Clayton made and Randy made that three player chess board, and that amplifies the magnitude of that because you've not just got one player, you know, a disciplined chess player, before every move, you try to evaluate every piece and position on the board because every move changes the battlefield. And so you you can't just get fixated on what you're doing. You've got to be aware that there is an opponent and they have a plan. Amen. But when you put it in that realm of that three player chess, now you've got to be aware that there are two opponents and they have different plans. And if you press your advantage in one direction, to, to, to build a strength against one opponent is to leave a weakness against another. And, and it adds a whole other dimension to the game. And you begin very quickly to realize you don't play in a vacuum. You have enemies. You have opponents. Uh, I, I'm a pretty skilled chess player, and I don't say that to be bragging. I enjoy the game, and I, I'm a student of the game, and I've played it my, all my life. And, and I, I, try to, I, I try to excel at the game. And, and the boys and I play that three-player chess quite regularly, and I, I don't win them all. Amen? I usually can fight to a bloody draw if I'm not going to win, but I don't win them all. But just this last Father's Day, we came home and we played a couple of games and I won the first game. And then uh, because the first game, Rockland got fixated on Harrison and Harrison got fixated on defending against Rockland. And I just rolled my pieces around and got Rockland's king in my sights and waited until he knocked off Harrison. And I was two moves away from checkmating him, and he had no idea because they're having this one-on-one battle, and they're not even aware there's a third player in the game. Then we played the second game, and, and they started out kind of on the same pattern, and I started rolling my pieces in the same direction. And Harrison wasn't playing the game I thought he's playing. And very, very early in the game, which rarely happens to me, He checkmated me, knocked me out of the game at the very beginning of the game because I was playing in a vacuum. I made that amateur mistake. I was playing in my own head space and not even aware that there's an enemy that is plotting. I'm here to tell you, you can't afford to live life unaware of the fact that you have an enemy you can't afford to live your life unaware of the fact that every chance every circumstance every situation behind it all amen there's an enemy that's trying to destroy you there's an enemy that's trying to do you in uh, there's an enemy that that he hates you uh, and his chief desire is to destroy you uh, amen that's why you're encouraged uh, to cast your cares uh, on the lord uh, Amen. It's not that you're not able. It's not that you don't have the mental capacity to carry the load. Uh, it's that you have an enemy uh, that you're not aware of uh, who's plotting your demise. Uh, amen. Through the cares and the toils of this life. Uh, he's trying to get enough on you uh, that he can slip in unawares uh, and take away from you the only thing that really matters. Amen. 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 These things are constant. Your enemy plots against you. He seeks to weaken you. He, he's trying to strike that fatal blow. He, he's trying to bring you low. Uh, but God provides for you. He, he promises strength uh, in the middle of your struggle. Uh, if only you'll cast your cares on him. Uh, he said, I'm going to be there for you. It's constant. You have a God who loves you. You have an enemy that hates you. You have a Savior that supports you. And you have an enemy that seeks to destroy you. Now let's look at another arrangement of Scripture that references both again. John chapter 10 and verse 10. The Scripture said, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So now your enemy is portrayed as a thief uh, who comes for no other reason than to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. This is a truth that does not change. Your enemy has a singular purpose. Every single time he comes into your life, he has the same plan. He has the same strategy. He's gonna steal, kill, and destroy. There are no exceptions. There's an ancient saying that's become a proverb of sorts. It says, beware of Greeks bearing gifts. If you're you're familiar with the classics, you know where that comes from. It's an allusion to the story of the Trojan horse the battle for Troy. And it's it's an allusion to that, that significant event when the Greeks recognizing they could not destroy the city of Troy, its walls were too strong, its defenders were too numerous. Built a mass, massive wooden horse with a hollowed out interior. And they they put some of their most skilled warriors in the belly of that horse and then they concealed them there, closed it over. And they, they pushed that horse up to the gates of the city of Troy, and they announced, you've beaten us. You've outdone us. There's no way we can overcome you. We recognize that. We're leaving you this tribute as a, as a symbol of your skill, as a symbol of your longevity. As a, a, we, we give tribute to the fact that you have overcome us, and we're, we're leaving now. And they began to get on the ships, and Begin to sail off into the harbor. And the citizens of Troy wheeled that Trojan horse into their city and celebrated. They closed the gates behind them. They made sure they were safe and secure. They, they made sure there was no plot of the enemy going to be able to sneak in and destroy them. And then they, they launched into a celebration. The battle was over. The victory was won. Everything was secure. But in the dead of the night... Those soldiers came crawling out of the belly of that horse, opened the gates to a waiting army, and Troy was sacked because they trusted Greeks' bearing gifts. It was Virgil who both first recorded that in the year 19 B.C. That would be right before Jesus Christ was born. And he wrote it this way. He said, I fear Greeks even when they bring me gifts. The point is simple. From the viewpoint of Virgil, the Greeks have a singular desire to destroy Troy. They're going to destroy the Trojans. And that singular goal will never change. Therefore, even when they bring gifts, they do it from an evil motive. Amen? Even when they seem to be doing something good for you, They're doing it with your demise in their mind. They've got a plan. You can't see it. Uh, You don't understand it. It looks to you like a good thing. It looks to you like a gift. But be aware there's an enemy that's seeking to destroy you. And they they haven't just suddenly decided to let bygones be bygones. They haven't just suddenly decided to make their peace. Uh, Amen. They haven't just suddenly decided to to sail away from your shores uh, and let you be. Amen. Be aware of the fact uh, that even when your enemy brings you what seems to be a gift, uh, there's a curse in it. Uh, amen. Even when he brings you what looks like it's a blessing, uh, it's intended to destroy you. Amen. You see, you have an enemy that seeks to destroy you. That means that anything that he brings into your life is intended to accomplish his singular purpose, to steal to kill and to destroy. Even his gifts are destructive. Even those things that look like they're a blessing are are there to undo you. Consider Eve. Satan convinced Eve that he was trying to help her. He convinced Eve that he was showing her his compassion and revealing to her that the tree was not all that God had said it was, that it was something he was withholding from her because he didn't want her to be like him. Amen. And his compassionate help led to her utter demise. Anything in your life that stands outside of the will and purpose or plan of God for you should be avoided at all cost. The devil didn't suddenly decide he wants to be your friend. He didn't suddenly decide he wants to help you out. He hasn't suddenly decided, amen, that you're worth promoting. Uh, He only comes for one purpose. Uh, He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's a truth that doesn't change, Uh, amen. Even when he comes bearing gifts, uh, those gifts are aimed at your destruction. Uh, Sin in every form, uh, sin in every shape, uh, sin in every way, uh, binds a soul uh, and destroys a life it'll steal your joy it'll steal your livelihood it'll steal your peace it'll steal your comfort it'll kill your dreams it'll kill your walk with God it'll kill your relationship with your spouse amen and it'll destroy your future it'll destroy your marriage it'll destroy your life he only comes for one purpose He wraps it up in nice packages. He he makes it in attractive things. He's always got a litany of reasons why you ought to let down uh, and bring this into your life. uh, Why you ought to open up your defenses uh, and adopt this uh, into your home. Why this ought to be okay. uh, Why this ought to be acceptable, but you need to be aware my friend, uh, amen, that anything uh, that he brings into your life uh, is designed to destroy you. uh, The wages is a sin is still death. Uh, Amen. Lust when it hath conceived, still brings forth sin uh, and sin when it is finished uh, still results in death. Uh, And your enemy knows that. That's what he has planned for you. But the Lord, he came so that you might have life. And that more abundant. Uh, the unchanging truth is that God's way is the best way. The unchanging truth is that God has a plan for you that's better than what anything the devil has ever given to you. The unchanging truth is it may seem to your flesh to be boring. Uh, it may seem to your flesh to be unattractive. Uh, it may seem to your flesh to be avoiding the pleasures in this life. That's because your mind uh, is warped uh, by a sin nature. uh, Amen. I'm going to tell you the things of this world uh, that seem pleasurable lead to heartache uh, and ruin uh, and their deception that leads you to the breaking of everything that is good uh, in your life. uh, Amen. But the way of God, uh, that way that seems uh, chaste, uh, that way that seems uh, separated, uh, that way that seems uh, to avoid uh, all the things that appeal to your flesh, that way leads to life uh, and that everlasting Amen. Amen. The devil runs a slick marketing campaign. He he's good at making that which is deadly appear to be fun and filling. Amen. He he He's good at making that which uh, satisfies the soul appear to be dull uh, and restrictive. Uh, but I come to tell you on a Wednesday night, uh, you need to shake yourself and remember this simple, unchanging truth. Uh, you have an enemy who hates you uh, and you have a savior who loves you. Uh, you have an enemy uh, and his only desire uh, is the destruction of your soul. And you have a Savior who only wants to bless you. To multiply joy and peace and happiness in your life. Amen. Amen. That leads me to one final truth. All of life boils down to a fork in the road. There are only two possible paths. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13 said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. (coughs) And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be. That find it from our warped perspective. The path to destruction is broad and easy. The road to hell has a wide entrance and is spacious, meaning it's easy to locate. And it's easy to get into. And because of its size, there are no limitations uh, on the baggage you can carry on that path. Uh, you can take anything you want with you. Uh, you can carry anything you please on that journey. Uh, you don't have to leave anything behind. Uh, you don't have to change anything to get onto that path. Uh, amen. To stay on it, uh, all you've got to do is follow your desires. The strange thing about that broad path uh, is it goes uh, wherever you want to go. Uh, it wherever it is that your desire takes you the strange thing about that path is that there's absolutely no effort required to stay on it you just walk where you want to walk you carry what you want to carry You believe whatever you want to believe. You can think whatever you want to think. You can act however you want to act. It doesn't matter. Broad is the path. Easy is the way. You're your own judge on that path. You judge morality for yourself. You decide what's right and what's wrong. The only thing that matters is how it makes you feel. And there's nobody that can judge you when you're on that path. Amen. Because you are the one that's in charge of it all. There is a deceptive sense of freedom and independence on that path that leads to hell. There's a deceptive sense of of arrival of accomplishment of achievement, of finally being set free. There's a deceptive sense of you're the one in charge. You answer for yourself. The problem is you don't want to answer for yourself when judgment comes. You need one to stand between you and the wrath of God. But the path that leads to life everlasting, it's narrow and difficult. You have to search for it to find it. The way doesn't look easy at all. It's filled with obstacles and pitfalls. It's narrow, and it never widens out. That means you can't carry all your baggage into it. Huh? You've got to put some things aside. Huh? You've got to leave some things behind. There simply isn't room on that path huh, for all the baggage of this life. Huh? Amen. It's a difficult way. Huh? It imposes boundaries on you. You can't just go wherever you want to go. Huh? You can't just do whatever you want to do. Huh? You've got to follow the narrow confines of the path huh, and the Path determines where you walk. You can't bend it to your will. You can't decide what you think is right and wrong. Uh, it puts some restrictions on you. Uh, it puts some restrictions on the way you think. Uh, it matters what you believe uh, when you walk that road. Uh, it matters how you conduct yourself. Uh, it matters that your life lines up uh, with the Word of God. Amen. That narrow way exerts its influence over every part of your life. It demands that you judge yourself based on the word of God not based on your flawed concept of right and wrong. It demands that you put yourself before the throne of God and say, search me, Lord, and know me, and if there be any evil thing in me, if there be any wicked way in me, Lord, let conviction of God grip my heart, wash me in your blood, let me be clean and pure and blameless in your sight. It demands that you are careful to never let your foot slip from the path that you measure yourself by the word and promise of God. It demands accountability to the holiness of God. It demands accountability to the righteousness of God. It demands adherence to the moral law of God. Amen. We live in a world that walks that broad road uh, that makes its own definition of right and wrong uh, and what was wrong before is right now and what was good before is bad now and what was bad before is good now and it's all a confused mess. Uh, amen. We can't even decide which bathroom folks are supposed to go to. Amen. But this is a path uh, that is judged by the word of God. Uh, This is a path uh, that's judged by the the things of God, uh, by the moral nature of God. You don't get to decide what right and wrong is uh, on this path. Uh, You look to him, uh, to the creator of heaven and earth, uh, to the one and only Lawgiver, and you say, what is it, God, that you have required of me? And he says this, uh, have I required of you that you love mercy, uh, that you do justly, uh, that you walk humbly with your God that's what it takes to be on this path instead of freedom and independence it demands submission and sacrifice you see the broad way appeals to all of our human desires and multitudes stroll along its spacious way but the narrow way It offends our carnal senses and few there are that choose to walk that way faithfully But there is a truth that never changes the easy way leads to death and destruction and the narrow way leads to life everlasting the easy way is the deadly gift of your enemy it's the thing that will do you in and the difficult way is the promised blessing of the one who really cares for you you see there's something about that narrow path the obstacles and pitfalls that cause your faith to grow that causes your reliance. So, you know, we want a we want an easy way where we don't have to worry. We want an easy way where there's no struggle. Amen. You can't grow where there's no struggle. You can't you can't learn how to trust God uh, where you don't have to trust God. Uh, but there's something about that narrow way uh, that demands that you learn how to pray. Uh, there's something about that narrow way uh, that demands that you learn to walk with God. Uh, that you learn to lean upon Him. That you learn to depend upon Him. And in that, uh, there's life. uh, everlasting Uh, in that uh, there's treasures and riches uh, beyond your wildest imagination Uh, in that uh, amen there are pleasures forevermore uh, when you find your way into the presence uh, of a holy and righteous God the difficult way is the blessing that God has planned for your life tonight there are some things that won't change I'll stand in this pulpit for many, many more years. But the proclamation will always be the same. There are two ways. There are two choices. There's an enemy that seeks to destroy you. And there's a Savior that loves you. There's a way that appears easy. And there's a way that appears hard. And you have to choose. Would you stand with me? James chapter 4 and verse 7 says this. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. This is an unchanging truth. I've said it so many times here lately. Begin where you are. This is an unchanging truth. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter which path you're on. When you submit yourself to God... Everything changes We think linearly we think in a a straight line We think of of life as a progression linear progression and we think that once we diverted from the path and we decide to get back Right, we got we've got to go all the way back over here and we got to start all over again I'm telling you that when you submit yourself to God and you resist the devil things change right then right there and he has to flee from you. The rest of the next verse says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. This is an unchanging truth. No matter where you are, if you'll draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double minded. There's a promise from the Word of God that says, that even if you're a sinner, even if you have unclean hands even if you're double-minded and don't know which way you want to walk and and you're a little bit on this path and a little bit on that path uh, amen there's a promise from god that if you'll draw near to him he'll draw near to you amen if you'll turn your life over to him he'll straighten things out for you amen i believe that sometimes the biggest problem we face uh, is deciding which way is the right way if you come to the keyboard brother ryan you know in the the metaphor the scripture uses it seems pretty plain to decide you know there's the big broadway okay that's the one you're not supposed to choose there's the little narrow way okay that's the one you're supposed to but we have a warped sense of self righteousness and we have the capacity to convince ourselves that the broadway is really narrow And that the narrow way is really broad. Listen, there is no greater capacity to fool you than what you can conceive in your own mind. The way of a man, the Bible said, seems right to the man. Every time, unchanging truth. So how then do I get my vision right? How then do I know Which of the two paths before me is the right path? If it's not readily apparent to me, if it seems like maybe I don't know if I should go this way or that, I can tell you how. You get in the presence of God and he corrects your vision. Amen. When you step into his glory, everything changes. When you yield yourself to him and say, Lord, I'm going to follow you wherever you lead me. I'm going to submit myself to you. Your way is more important than my way. Your will and your plan and your goal, what it is that you have for me, the purpose that you've given to my life, that matters more to me than anything else in the world. Uh, He has a way of crystallizing uh, your vision and making it clear uh, so you can see uh, the way that you should go, uh, the way that he's calling you to go. Uh, I'm asking this house on a Wednesday night, uh, if you find a place of prayer, for a few moments Uh, and if you remember these simple things uh, there's an enemy that seeks to destroy you and there's a God that wants to preserve you and there's a choice that has to be made uh, and you're not fit uh, to make that choice uh, on your own Uh, you need the help of God Uh, you need the guidance of God Uh, you need the direction of God Uh, you need to surrender yourself to him uh, and say here I am Lord Uh, help me make the right choice I'm going to invite you to this altar on a Wednesday night. I'm inviting you to a place of prayer, a place of personal reflection. I'm inviting you to come into the presence of God and just say, Lord, here I am. I've been so caught up in my moves. I've been so caught up in my plan. I've been so caught up in my agenda. Perhaps I've missed the fact that there is an enemy who is stalking me. That there is an enemy who seeks to destroy me. That there is an enemy who's plotting my demise. I need you, Jesus. I need your help, Lord. I need your direction, Lord. I need your blessing, Lord. I need you to move in my heart in my mind. I need you, Lord, to help me see things right. I need you, Lord, to help me understand the way that is right and the way that I should go. I need you, Lord, to lead me. Lead me. Lead me and I'll follow. Lead me and I'll follow. Lead me and I'll follow. In the name of Jesus, why don't you call out to him right now? In Jesus' name.